I'm really making sure that I have the best listings possible and that I'm maximizing my position in these different um, platforms, Airbnb and VRBO. Um, on top of that, I'm making sure that we're operating at a really high level. Hello, and thank you for joining us today on the Gentle Art of Crushing It show, where we focus on learning and sharing with our listeners all there is to know about how to create success in our lives. This show stands on the shoulders of giants. Our mission is to empower and inspire our listeners to create the life of their dreams whilst having a blast in the process. Let's celebrate life together. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to episode number 67 of the Gentle Art of Crushing It podcast. My name is Derek Felch and I am one of six hosts who bring you conversations three times a week on a variety of topics around real estate, business, and personal motivation. Our goal with this podcast is to help you succeed in whatever target you are aiming at. We're all committed to finding the best, the brightest people who aren't just talking about doing big things, but are actually taking the steps to achieve their dreams and wanting to help others along the way. And today's no different. I'm joined by Joe Prilliman. Joe's a friend of mine. He's a realtor with the short-term shop and is located in the beautiful area of Carolina Beach, North Carolina. Joe's a real estate investor who has a singular focus on short-term rentals. And he's also a great guy who's always willing to help others in their investing journey. In this episode, we're going to talk a lot about short-term rentals and as well as how Joe has learned to harness focus and accountability to achieve his goals. It's a fantastic conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. I would ask you please remember to subscribe to our channel, leave a like, a comment, review. And without anything else, let's bring in Joe. All right, Joe. Well, welcome. Thanks for, thanks for joining us here. Yeah, happy to be here, Derek. I appreciate you having me on. You know, I was, I was, I was, I've known you for a while. You're, you're the person I probably have known the best of anyone I've interviewed. And I was looking you up online, doing a little stalking, and saw that you've been on a lot of podcasts. You've been on like Yona Weiss's podcast, and you've been on, uh, you've been on the Short Term Shops podcast. You've been featured in Bigger Pockets, and now you're here. Yeah, man, making it all the way up. I, I I'm kinda, a happy camper. I kind of feel like that's like like last night you were on CNN or Fox News or MSNBC. I want to make sure I don't offend anyone. And today you're like on the Knox County, Nebraska local public access channel. So I <laughs> I appreciate you joining us here today. So my apologies to the Knox County, Nebraska public access channel, but I'm sure it's oh, a good fine show. But yeah, so so Joe, I mean, people can find out lots about you, but give me a like a brief rundown about yourself. Let people know a little bit about you. Sure. Yeah. So I, um, again, my name is Joe Prilliman. I live here in Carolina Beach, North Carolina, and I got started in real estate investing back in 2018. So that's when I first got in the game. I started buying single family homes um, off the MLS doing a uh, method called Burr, which is just buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat, and really got hooked on real estate investing. I was just like, hey, this is it. I really want to try and pursue this financial freedom and dove headfirst into the game. But yeah, that like that's how I got started, and then like transitioned into short-term vacation rentals, and that's more what I do now. Like I, I'm all like short-term rentals across the state of North Carolina, with um, a couple of midterms across state too. But that's the name of the game, man: short-term rentals. Wow! So you started out with long-term rentals, and then you transitioned to short-term rentals, and then at some point became a realtor too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's correct. Okay. All right. So. Um... I'm sure people ask you lots of questions about short-term rentals, and I don't want to repeat the same questions, but I guess for people listening, because I mean, you and I both own short-term rentals, what what are your thoughts on the short-term rental market right now? 
Oh, that is a great question. The uh, state of the short-term rental market right now is, in my opinion, very optimistic because I'm seeing more of a return to how short-term rentals used to be back in the day. So when COVID hit, it was just absolute praise of every single property you have is going to get booked. So you can throw anything up on the planet. It doesn't matter how cute it is or clean it is or comfortable it is. It's just you can rent anything. And so a lot of people got used to the whole just throwing anything online, throw it at the wall, and it's going to book and it's going to print money. Well, now it feels more like kind of when I got started back in 2019. We've got seasons, things matter, marketing, like making sure that you've got incredible photography. And I really talk to two different groups of people now. I talk to people who are absolutely freaking crushing it. And I talk to people whose calendars are pretty much completely empty. And my goal is to help people get to the side where they're absolutely crushing it. But it's much more back to the fundamentals. Do you have incredible photography? Are you marketing your property well? Are you rolling guests through and getting five-star reviews? It's, it's much more about the experience. Um, and also understanding it's like most of my properties, they're beach properties. And so you're not necessarily going to have 100% occupancy in November and December. And so that doesn't make sense anyway. It's a beach market. Like people are coming here for the summer and for the sand. And so to me, things feel like they're getting back to normal. And so I'm very optimistic about this next season. Do you feel like, I mean, what about pricing? Like I, now, you know, you and I are probably exact opposites, which is why we get along because you are Mr. Positive. You are bright, sunny day, and I'm like a big gray cloud that comes along once in a while. And I'm trying to be more sunny. Uh, my family would appreciate it. But but are you seeing a slowdown of people buying, or is it still – I mean, the last two years felt like everybody wanted a short-term rental. It was the talk of the real estate world. Is there still that frenzy to purchase them, or do you think people are starting to pause as prices seem to be – going up across, I mean, I know you're familiar with your market, but I mean, you're also very astute, but like as prices seem to be increasing everywhere and interest rates are going up as we record this, um, do you see it like, are people slowing down at all or is it still a frenzy? It depends on what you're looking at. So there is areas that are still frenzies, but as prices continue to go up and as interest rates continue to go up, you're obviously going to have the effect of cash flow is harder to get. And so a lot of people are moving back to the fundamentals. Not everyone's just going out and buying anything they can get their hands on because interest rates are at two and a half percent. Well, now with interest rates at, you know, five to seven percent, you're seeing things that are harder to cash flow. And so the it's kind of the same as like we were talking about with the uh, bookings. I've got some people who are crushing it and going as hard as they can. And I've got other people who are like, Hey, pump the brakes. I'm not getting any bookings. And so I'm seeing a lot of people revert back to how they should have been running numbers to begin with. You buy for cash flow, you secure long-term low interest debt, and you have adequate cash reserves. A lot of people violated those rules during the COVID craze because they're like, hey, I just got to buy anything. And so in my opinion, um, it depends. Okay. <clears throat> That's a good answer. Um, what... Let's let's talk about uh, then we'll get to positive stuff. But I mean, do you do you sense there could be a is there a bubble in the short term rental market? Are there going to be some people exiting that can't make this work because maybe they did overpay a year and a half ago when you could rent anything? And now um, now it's tough because, I mean, most markets that I've looked at have had a huge increase in uh, um, supply. So 
You now have saturation. Maybe that's not the right word, but you've definitely doubled your supply in some markets. You've increased it significantly. Do you think it's going to burst at all? Or do you think there's opportunities for people? Or might be I mean, as an, as an investor, my hope is, yeah, absolutely. Let it burst, baby, so I can buy anything and get my hands on. Um, I don't think that's actually going to happen because the way we're talking about real estate right now is very much in the short-term mindset. And so I think about decades when I'm looking at my portfolio. So if you look at properties long-term, I'm buying something for future appreciation, tax benefits, and cash flow. And so just because I might have a little bit of a dip in my cash flow numbers today, because let's just run with it and say the worst case scenario happens and I have a 25% reduction in my cash flow. I already know that my properties are going to continue to perform, even if they just cover themselves. I'm looking at it from a long-term buy and hold standpoint. And so you win in real estate whenever you drag things out. But if you want to talk the next six, 12 months, sure, absolutely. There are going to be people who are like, oh my gosh, this isn't right. Um, I'm not making the money and I'm going to sell. Well, they're selling, in my opinion, at the worst time to sell. And they're probably going to come back and buy at the worst time to buy. And so it's all about timeline of this. Time heals real estate. And so if you look at it from a short-term standpoint, there could be people doing that, but the fundamentals of real estate right now still make sense to me. I'm still actively buying anything I can get my hands on. What are you seeing that's working well? When you talk about you see people separating the two camps, those that are crushing it and those that are struggling to fill, what, what's separating them? The people who are crushing it right now, the biggest thing that I can see between them are the people that are crushing it are really focused on get people in the place today, fill the units, fill the nights, because what they're doing is they're stacking five-star reviews in a shoulder season. Now I can only speak to like the Carolina beach market, the North Carolina coast and kind of that area. Cause that's the area I cover and that's where majority of my rentals are. But the people who are really filling their calendars and doing extremely well, are the people who are okay taking discounts today to get people in to get five-star reviews and stays. And I personally think that's one of the biggest levers that you can pull in these algorithms of, okay, I've got people in the beds rolling through. And what it's doing is it's pushing them high enough that their peak summer seasons where they're going to book anyway are getting booked at higher and better rates, personally is what I'm saying. And so it's very much the, I'm okay with giving discounts. I'm okay with putting people in. I'm okay with filling my calendars today, even if it's lower than I was comfortable with a year before, so that I can continually roll more people through so that I can get more eyeballs to see the higher summer rates. That's good. Yeah. Um, what question has nobody asked you that you wish they would about short-term rentals? I don't have You've been asked a that. lot of questions. I get so. asked questions all the time, my man, across the board. It's like, yeah. uh, it's more of just like getting back to making sure that you have an incredible listing of like, do you have professional photography? You got to understand like most people that are looking at short-term rentals, whenever they're looking to book your place, they're going to look at your very first photo and they're going to look at your headline. And so a lot of people are like trying to do all these other little cute things. And I'm like, no, like update your photos, get an incredible shot of like what sells your property and then write a great title for it. And so um, seeing people get back to the fundamentals is good. Good. So what are you working on now? What are you working on? Oh man, that is great. Um, I am working with my personal portfolio on optimization of how do I increase the amount of bookings that I can drive to my individual listings 
and maximize the income when I know I'm going to get it, if that makes sense. What does that mean? Break that down a little, little simpler for me. Yeah, sure. So um, when I first started back in 2019, it was different styles. It was um, really just trying to learn how the game was run. And so now I'm really digging into the different softwares, the different pricing structures. I'm digging into um, different ways that I can market my properties. I'm really making sure that I have the best listings possible and that I'm maximizing my position in these different um, platforms, Airbnb and VRBO. Um, on top of that, I'm making sure that we're operating at a really high level. I'm talking with my cleaners every single day to find out, hey, how can we make this better? What little levers can we turn that are going to continually improve the guest experience? Because we're trying to provide the uh, best product we can. So think about it like uh, I'm building a, um, a skyscraper. I'm willing to take a couple steps back and focus on my foundation so that I can build a building that's 100 stories tall instead of a building that's 10 stories tall. And so if you start off with a really good foundation on what you have, you're going to be able to grow a lot farther and a lot bigger in the long run. So that's what I'm doing. I'm really dialing everything back to what is the best thing to build for a foundation for my portfolio and how do we grow that and take it to the next level. Any tips you want to share what you learned so far on that? It is simple, but it's not easy. Um, I would say it does require a lot of active work. And that's another thing I'd say is the people who are absolutely crushing it today, they're in their listings every day. They're working on their pricing. They are very committed to being in it. It's not a set it and forget it business. We're in the most active form of real estate investing that there is, in my opinion. Um, and so if you're coming into this, looking at it from, okay, I want to be passive in this. Now is not the time to be passive in this. There's plenty of other asset classes you can get into if you want to be passive. Short-term rentals are the springboard to get you to those passive assets. And so I'm very much in the day-to-day -day of my business today. And so how many units do you have now? We are up to 15 properties, 22 doors. Wow. And are they all in the Carolina Beach area or you've expanded your reach in North Carolina, right? Yep. We did expand last year. Um, we ended up um, buying a couple of units up in Banner Elk, North Carolina. And so the reason we did that was we really wanted two different markets that complemented each other. And so my beach properties, they're pretty much empty in November, December, and January. Well, that just so happens to be one of the peak times for Banner Elk, North Carolina, because you've got the slopes, you've got a lot of people traveling up there to go skiing and um, wonderful hiking and beautiful leaves and all that jazz. And so it's a high income producer when my beach properties are low so that we can try to even out our portfolio because right now my portfolio is very much like we have peaks and valleys of when they're getting good, it's great. And then we've got nothing and we're trying to figure out how to survive. Um, and so that was one of our main reasons, but we also have a couple of midterms, uh, Winston-Salem, Chapel Hill. And then we started again with our long-term rental portfolio in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina, which that's, we're actually planning on selling those here shortly. Okay. And you manage them all yourself? Do you have other people helping you? Um, what, how, how, do you how do you operate that many units? Yeah, so I've actually got two full-time employees now and um, a virtual employee as well. And so we started building the team, again, going back to that foundation of we want to build bigger. We want to add a lot more units. Um, we want to create something really great here. And so we're investing back into ourselves by bringing on full-time employees and whatnot. Now, you definitely can do this. Um, 
without those additional levers and without those additional things. Um, and you can contract out a majority of things I have them do in-house, but I wanted them to be very much like, hey, we're completely focused on my portfolio and really have additional people helping me get us where we want to go. Yeah. So what kind of stuff do you have them do? Like your people in-house, what do you, I'm, I'm curious about this because it's something we've talked about as we've picked up more management contracts for other people. Like what, what do you have them do? Oh man. Um, I mean, everything from like going through our listings to um, property quality checks to putting out um, fires and issues that are constantly coming up, like in the short-term rental world, like it's very much, it's more like you're running a small motel. And so the goal then is to make sure everyone's having a fantastic stay. And when you have as many properties as we do, there's something that's going wrong every single day. And also at the same time, like I'm also a full-time real estate agent. So I'm also out here selling short-term vacation rentals uh, for the short-term shop with Avery Carl. And it has been absolutely incredible working with them, but I'm pulled in a lot of different directions. And so I physically can't do everything myself. And so it's very much the who, not how model of like, these are the guys that can help me continue to push our portfolio while we're doing all these different, uh, while I've got my hand in all these different little things. I mean, you, you've done this now for five years. Um, what have you learned? Like, what do, what do you wish you would have done different? Or what do you wish you would have known back when you got started in the short-term world? Oh man, that, that is a fantastic question because yes, I have, I have learned so much <laughs> from the start of this to where I am now. And I'd say the biggest thing is putting yourself in positions to get lucky and do everything you possibly can to be the dumbest guy in the room. Put yourself in areas where other people are absolutely crushing this. And those are the things that I wish I had knew. Those are the things I wish I knew better because stepping into the game, um, I didn't realize what I didn't know. And so really immersing yourself in the education, in the Facebook groups, in the podcasts of this is where all the rock stars are and just try and get in the room with them. And I mean, there's plenty of different ways you can do that. You can do that organically where you try to add value to people. I'm a really big proponent of join mastermind groups. Um, I joined a couple different mastermind groups on my journey up to where I'm at now. And um, it's a lot easier to pay to get in the room. And so continually investing our profits back into me, because here's the beautiful thing. You can't lose the lessons. You're always going to be able to keep those lessons and bring them with you. And so let's say I lose everything today. I would easily, in my opinion, be able to come back and rebuild what I have and rebuild it better because of the lessons I've learned. And so they can't take that away from you. And so it continually investing back in yourself is probably the most important thing you can do. I, you know, it's, it's interesting. The subject of masterminds comes up in a lot of the conversations I've had with people and I kind of ask everyone the same question. So I'm interested in what you would say. How do you, I mean, how do you find a good mastermind versus somebody who's just really good at marketing a program? Because it, it can be intimidating for someone new because everyone right now has a program. Everyone who's anyone has a program, mm. and it feels like. And everyone wants to charge you some money, and then it's like, well, okay, but how do I know if I'm getting value before I sink a whole lot of money into it and then find out, wait, this was something I could have Googled on the internet. That's a great point. So in my opinion, you have to look at track record. Track record is really what drives all of this. So you need to look at the individual's track record, but you also need to talk to some people that have gone through the course and that are 
really large proponents of this person. I mean, like, hey, like, do you have three or four recommendations of people I can talk to and the value they got out of this group? Because long story short, you're going to get out of these groups what you put in. A lot of people think that, okay, I'm just going to sign up and pay this money and then all my problems are going to go away the whole nine yards. No, they don't. What these groups do is they give you the opportunity to step in and be successful. They get you in the room with people who are absolutely crushing it. But it's still up to you at that point to go in and add value. I'm a really big um, believer in extreme ownership of it all comes back to you of the individual. And so I've met a lot of people that are like, like you said, that join these groups and go, hey, this wasn't worth it. I didn't get my money's worth. And I'm like, okay, well, did you like sign up for the things they do? Did you hop on the calls? Did you talk to the people? Did you take those action steps to go out there and crush it? But most people don't that fall out of these and they just also so happen to be the people who are the loudest. And so make sure that you vet these groups by talking really through historical data. That's good. What mistakes have you made? I mean, I I think it's always a challenge in podcasts that Boy, it can sound like nothing's ever gone wrong or they, they share like one simple mistake and you're like, well, yeah, that, that was terrible for you. Um, but like, I mean, we're show your human side, Joe, cause I know you're really, really good at this stuff, but, uh, I mean, where have you really flubbed up? Oh man. Um, luckily you've got someone on the podcast today who has made all the mistakes across the board. And so we could spend the rest of the time just talking about my mistakes. I mean, I've made every mistake from hiring bad cleaners to hiring bad contractors. I've lost money across the board. <laughs> um, I have, I mean, I have done so many things that have put me in the spot where now, yeah, I know those issues now. And so that kind of comes back to the, uh, you can either and I love this because it actually plugs back into the mastermind groups. Like one of the reasons I like the mastermind groups is because you get to learn a lot of these lessons that I had to make through these groups and understand like, okay, not how to avoid those pitfalls and whatnot. Um, but I'd say probably one of the biggest ones I made was uh, whenever I bought, uh, I've got a, a quadplex down here in Carolina beach. Um, it was a uh, owner finance deal and I was very busy at the time. Um, and it was a full on gut rehab. That's how, why I was able to get it owner finance because it was in such bad condition. And, um, I ended up spending a ton of money on repairs and ended up not having the work done well at all. In fact, like I got charged substantially more than I should have and everything was still falling apart. We uh, ended up having like 38 of the 40 windows we installed were leaking. Um, my LVP floors were popping up. Like um, the electrical was done just terribly. We had plumbing issues like almost immediately and we had paid to have all these systems like gone through and checked and renovated. Um, and so it was an absolute nightmares, just continuous problems with this property. But here's the incredible part. That property still rented so well. We still were able to roll people through. We were able to like fix a lot of these issues on our own and go back and do it. But um, we spent substantially more money than we should have. And we learned a ton of lessons on, hey, how do we vet contractors? How do we find people to actually do good work? And how do we stay on top of them to make sure that they're actually doing what they're saying they're doing the whole time? Hmm. Have you ever thought about giving up or quitting the short-term um, business? 
I have had some days where I was like, this is no fun and I hate myself. Um, but the long-term benefits are what keep me going in it. Like I see the equity, I see the appreciation that I'm getting in these properties. I see the tax benefits that I'm getting. And so, yeah, absolutely. I've, there have been days where I've walked in and go, I'm done. This is absolutely terrible. I'm so over it. But the long-term benefits of doing real estate vastly outweigh the work that I'm doing now. Because it goes back to the time thing. See, real estate is the only industry where it gets easier as you go. It's like my properties are going to start buying properties. Cash flow is going to compound upon itself. I'm taking that and investing it back into myself. Without the things that I've done to this point, I wouldn't be able to like grow any farther. And so I absolutely love the game and it's given me the opportunity to go out and discover more. Like I'm learning a ton about business now and I'm learning a ton of like I'm in the room with guys that are just absolutely crushing it out there. Like I said, continually try to be the dumbest guy in the room. Um, and I wouldn't even have those opportunities without it. And so when I'm in those moments, I really like to go for a walk and just think about like, hey, how grateful I am to be where I am at, at today. And yes, I have all these problems, but I know people that would give everything just to be where I'm at right now. And I'm thankful that I'm here. Hmm. Yeah, that gratefulness thing is pretty powerful. It really is. So. I mean, like it, if you don't, like you can really get way down with this because every single day, in short-term rentals, like you're going to have problems. You're going to have guests who are upset. You're going to have things that didn't happen. You're going to sit there and go, why? Why didn't this all come together the way it was supposed to? And uh, yeah. the good news is, is every time something breaks, just write it down. And if it breaks three or four different times, build a system to fix it. And so the most successful people in this mm -hmm. game continually are working on themselves. It's really good. How do you deal with fear or anxiety? In I mean, some of these purchases are pretty big purchases and uh is that something you deal are you just uh i'm gonna jump off the cliff then figure out if i wore my parachute or not or uh or or do you sometimes i mean like how has that played in with your your decisions and your choices yeah so i definitely lean more towards the we're gonna build my parachute on the way down um but my wife is just absolutely incredible and she truly is the key to our success in all of this. Like she keeps me grounded in this and like continually drives me to be better on how do we make sure that this is going to be a foolproof system. And so um, I have to give all the credit to my wife, Michelle. She's just absolutely incredible. But in regards to dealing with anxiety of some of these larger purchases, um, I remember when I bought my very first single family home in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I paid $43,000 to buy it, cost $17,000 to rehab it, and we had 60 grand in the deal and it appraised for 80. I did not sleep for like 3 days going to this cuz this was the biggest thing that ever happened. I borrowed the money to do this. We were renovating the property and then we were going to rent it, refinance it and go again. Um it was absolutely the scariest thing I've done. And so that does not go away. Like I still feel that way. It's just the numbers are a little big, bit bigger now. And so you start where you're comfortable. For me, it was a single family home in a cash flow market and it was $40,000. And from there, I was able to build that muscle. So that doesn't just like happen one day of where you're like, okay, well, I'm going to go out and buy a $6 million apartment complex. Sure, it might happen to some people, but that's the exception and not the rule. And so for me, like going out and getting those reps in of learning how to do this is really what calms that anxiety for me. 
So what would you say to somebody uh, listening who has maybe purchased a short-term rental in the last six to 12 months and it's not, it's not going like their numbers thought? Um, what would you tell them to do? I would tell them to not be afraid to tell the world that it's not going the way you thought it was going to go. Um, and cause a lot of people attach a, a level of self worth, a self worth to how their property is doing. And so from that standpoint, I would say, Hey, don't be afraid to go out there and tell the world I need some help with this. And Lay it all out there. Show your numbers. Be very vulnerable about that because that'll add so much to your credibility of, hey, like I did this and this is the way I did it and it's not working. What do you guys think? Can you help me? And this community of real estate investors is truly incredible. And so there are people that are going to go, hey, have you tried this? Have you done this? Like, And be open to that. Some people might look at it and go, hey, like, in my opinion, you might need to sell this property and go back to the drawing board and rebuild that base. And that's totally fine. If that's the case, you want to learn that now, wouldn't you rather know that today? And then instead of knowing it a year later, where it could potentially be a lot worse. And so um, be open-minded to that advice, really do a deep dive on the property. And have you really given it your all? Like, are you all in on this property or is it still just kind of a side hustle that you're like, yeah, I wish this would work. So what's next for you? What are your goals? Are you a goal person? I I think I know the answer to that, but are you someone that hasn't written down on a big whiteboard in front of you right now or or are you not right in front of me right now because we uh turned my office into another Airbnb and so all of my of course whiteboards you did. Yes. of yeah. course I did. <laughs> all of my uh whiteboards now are stuffed into the shed. But um yes, I'm very goal oriented. Um I'm very much using that and having accountability to take us kind of to the next level. And so next steps for me right now is I'm really investing in my community, um, talking with different guys that are doing similar stuff that I am and holding each other accountable. And so from a goal standpoint, I'm really trying to dial in um, my personal health. Um, That's really big for me. And um, also trying to continually grow the portfolio. So I am trying to add more units right now. So we're looking for short-term rentals in Carolina Beach and Banner Elk um, that we can add to the portfolio that we can, um, we'd like to get up to about 26, 27 doors. Um, So that is our goals right now. And then we have additional like uh, income goals for the properties that we do have, um, getting them all up to kind of the top level state like we talked about earlier. Hmm. So when you say you're talking with guys in your community, are you talking about Carolina Beach community or are you talking about like an online community or, or what did that, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So I'm in a, like I said, I'm in a couple different mastermind groups. And so I've actually got two different uh, pods that we call them. So I'm in one mastermind group called uh, Go Abundance, and we're all like trying to drive each other to be just incredible. So we have these different pillars that we follow and one of them is extreme accountability. And so for me, Extreme accountability has always been very difficult for me. And so I have two different pod groups that hold me accountable to what we do and really pushing us to kind of get to that next level. And so um, the pod groups are just three or four different guys that we're all kind of in similar spots and we're uh, all working with each other and hitting ideas. And we meet up um, weekly and biweekly just so that we can kind of grow together. And so accountability is absolutely huge for getting to the next level. So what does extreme accountability look like for you? Like, what does that mean? I've heard that phrase before, but what, what is that? 
Like, what does that look like to someone who's maybe not familiar with that? Yeah. So extreme accountability really is laying everything out that you're trying to do. So we have a thing called a one sheet and the one sheet literally lays out all of our goals, all of our vision, our uh, personal financial statement of where we're physically at. And the other guys get to really look at that and have a really quick deep dive on this is who Joe Prilliman is. And these are the goals that he's trying to get. And this is how we can help him. And so that's what it means by extreme accountability, really doing what you say you're going to do and letting other people know what you want to do. Extremely big. How have you uh, been able to keep these pods going? So I've been a part of several accountability groups and I've noticed some patterns in them. Some have been through different groups I've joined. Some have been kind of personal set up around with friends. They tend to fizzle after a while. Now, maybe I'm the common denominator and all that. I don't know. But, uh, but like I'm in one right now, no offense if they're listed, but it's like, you know, we started out with six and I think we're down to one or two. Um, I mean, how have you guys managed? Have you, has that been your experience at all or, or, or is it just me, Joe? Tell me the truth. It's definitely not just you. Um, that is very, very common um, because people are going to go through different phases in life. And so I would encourage you to take the people that are committed to it and put that out to the world. Hey, we are looking for two or three more people that want to join. These are the requirements. You have to be able to meet with us once or twice a week. You have to be able to um, be comfortable being uncomfortable and try to get some additional rock stars in there that can help breathe some life into your group. Um, I've had multiple groups that fizzled out as well. And it was no like uh, no bad feelings, anything like that across those group of the guys. We we're just now in different phases. And so um, as that happens, don't stop. There's always going to be something else out there for you to get. And so if that group is starting to fizzle out and they don't want to continue on, don't let that stop you from going, hey, you know what? That's fine. You guys have a great time moving on. I'm going to go find another group that's going to hold me accountable that I can hold them accountable. And so think about it like this. How can you serve those people? And are you doing everything that you can to serve them well? Do you care about the goals they have and what they're trying to do? Or are you just trying to get in a group and trying to absorb as much as possible? If you're trying to absorb as much as possible, you just need to read more books. If you're trying to really like grow and scale, you need to get in a group where you can give back. That's really good. So anything else you want to talk about? Anything else I should have asked you that I didn't? I could talk Man, to you for hours, Joe. So I've absolutely loved this. No, I really appreciate you having me. And uh, this yeah. has been a uh, fantastic time hanging out with you, Derek. I'm glad you're doing so well. Yeah. Well, thanks. Is Carolina Beach the best market to invest in, do you think? Or, or is there a better real estate market you're liking right now for short-term rentals? Depends on your goals. Um, if you're buying in Carolina Beach, Carolina Beach is going to have a lot better appreciation play and a little bit of lower of a cash flow play. And so it's going to depend on where you are looking and what you want. If you want just straight, complete cash flow, the, the rules of real estate don't change, if that makes sense. So the asset class that you are in, um, there are common threads that you're going to see throughout all of it. For example, some of my absolute worst properties from like a construction standpoint that are just an absolute pain in the butt all the time and look incredible on a spreadsheet. Um, they cash flow the best where some of my higher end properties that are super nice that are appreciating really well and generating a lot of wealth for me, they don't cash flow very much. 
And so it all depends on what your goals are. If you're trying to quit your job and you're like, hey, I want to be like financially free and I want to be able to do this, you probably need to focus more on cash flow. If you're like, I'm trying to build wealth and I'm trying to like um, retire like long term and um, do a play that's going to generate more passive, um, in that, maybe not passive from the short term rental. That's a terrible word to use. But if you're trying to look for something that's going to increase your net worth, um, you might want to look at markets that don't cash flow as much because they tend to appreciate better. And you, I know we said we're wrapping up, but you know, I grew up in a Baptist church, so that just means it's a few more minutes. Um, what, uh, uh, do you feel like, I mean, your, your strategy is all in on short-term rentals, but do you feel like, I mean, should some people, I mean, is it wise to do that, you think? Or or should you spread out and have some long-term rentals? Or should you just pick one and go all in? I'm a really big fan of pick one and go all in. Because when you focus on something, you can make it absolutely great. So think about um, the sun. The sun warms the entire earth. But if you focus that sun in through magnifying glass, you can burn through anything. And so I'm very much a the people who are the most successful that I know are really, really good at one thing. And that's it. They're like, I pour all my time, all my energy into being successful in this. Because that's the beautiful thing about real estate. It doesn't matter what you choose. If you want to do apartments, if you want to do single family homes, if you want to do um, triple net leases, you just need to pick something and go all in on it and be the best you possibly can be at it. Because that's where you'll be successful. If you're continually bouncing to different strategies and getting distracted and like trying to do all these different things at one time, you're never going to find success in one thing. And so that's why I'm so hyper-focused on short-term rentals. It's what I'm good at. It's what I study every single day. Um, I'm on the best real estate team on the planet for short-term vacation rentals. Like That's all that I do. And so why wouldn't I take my competitive advantage which is short-term rentals, and pour it directly into my own personal investment strategy. So for me, short-term rentals are the name of the game, and that's what I focus on. Why do you think some people struggle to find that one thing? Ooh, shiny object syndrome. And I suffer from that too. There's so many different opportunities out there. There's so many different ways to make money and to be successful that it's overwhelming and people feel uh, kind of FOMO. It's like, I'm missing out on something that's great. And so I should be doing this. Where in reality, if you just took the next five years and said, this is the only thing I'm going to do, you'll be the best at it in five years because everybody else is going to be going, hey, I'm going to do this for six months. And then, oh, wait, I've decided I'm going to buy an apartment complex. And oh, wait, I found a really great flip opportunity over here. And oh, wait, I started a roofing company. Like, um, or I've started a handyman company or a cleaning company or a guest messaging company or a uh, co-hosting company. Like there's so many things that you can pour your time into, but if you had just focused on the one thing and got the best at it, you would have been more successful. It's really easy to say, really, really hard to do. It is. No, I'm, I think that's where I'm at in my life. I is, is trying to find that one thing. Cause I've got my hands in several things and mm. They're somewhat complimentary, but yeah, no, that's really good. That's really good. So Joe, if people are interested, what markets do you cover? If people want to look at short-term rentals, you're in, I don't Carolina beach, Wilmington area, which is beautiful. What, what other, what other markets are you responsible for? 
Yeah. So if you're interested in a short-term rental, I cover everything from Atlantic Beach down to Ocean Isle. So everything on the North Carolina coast that is not the Outer Banks. Um, that is my bread and butter of helping people buy short-term vacation rentals. Um, but yeah, if you want to reach out, you feel free to hit me up. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on uh, all the major platforms. I'm on Facebook. Uh, just look up Joe Prilliman. It's joe at the shorttermshop.com. And uh, be more than happy to uh, chat with you guys about short-term rentals. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for doing this. We've chased each other for a while, and I, I always like talking to you. Thanks, Derek. We'll chat again here soon, my man. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Joe. I find him to be such an amazing guy. He has a strong desire to help others succeed, and I always enjoy talking to him. We'll have links in the show notes to the items that we mentioned today. I would ask if you found any value in our content that you would share it with someone else. It would help us expand our reach and see others do great things. And it sure mean a lot to us if you leave a like, a subscribe, a review, a comment, whatever you need to do on the platform you're listening to us. Again, that would help us greatly. Thanks for listening. Remember, there are new podcasts coming out with The Gentle Art of Crushing it three times a week. I would ask you not to just be a consumer, though. Do the work you were meant to do. We'll see you again soon. Thanks. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode of The Gentle Art of Crushing It. It was an amazing episode. We know we sure learned a lot, and we hope you did as well. We want to take a second and thank you so much for viewing or listening to this episode. And please just know that we only ask for one favor, and that is to make this life magnificent. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.